I'm Jay Moran. I'm Bridget Jaipal Valenza. I'm Thomas O'Neill White. I'm Angelie Preston. We need to get together and let our voices be heard. This is What's Next. A dedicated hour to have important conversations about the issues facing the marginalized and underrepresented communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We're going to have some real healing. We've got to have space to tell some uncomfortable truth. What's Next continues our mission to discuss race, equity, and the common concerns of Buffalo's east side and beyond. In the suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. Welcome to What's Next. Our guest this morning, Melissa Archer. Melissa is the Chief Operating Officer of Buffalo Urban League, but uh, we have a lot to talk about with Melissa and her extensive background. Melissa, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. It's a, it's a <laughs> pleasure. Uh, what brought us to brought you to our attention is that you were one of the uh, Buffalo Black Achievers for, uh, for 2023. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Yes, I was shocked and very humbled and and especially when we had the actual event, and I'm looking at the bios of all of my uh, co-winners, if you will, and um, I was like, I'm in the same league as these people. It's Oh, my goodness. So I made a lot of friends, a lot of um, connections, partnerships, collaborations. It was a lot of card swapping that night. Um, it was a lot of fun. The event was really a lot of fun, and it was great to be amongst, you know, all of that talent and passion and hard work. Yeah, let if you don't mind, maybe explore that just a little bit. Like you mm-hmm. said, talent and passion, those are the two words mm-hmm. you use. Mm-hmm. So you, you saw that among these people. There must have been a great energy in the air. Oh, it was. It was a, It was electric. Yeah? <laughs> yes, and, and I'm sure walking down the the um, the red carpet and then being interviewed probably had something to do with that, <laughs> being in the VIP section. But it was really great to see um, you know, fellow community across all sectors, but fellow community members that have been recognized for the hard work that they've been doing and they're not looking for the recognition but to be recognized it just made you feel like extra special and and really um you know really push that you know that drive to continue you know to continue to do the work because obviously this work is so important no matter what the work is and to continue with that with more you know additional passion additional right. like you know I got to get this done and so that was probably really exciting to you know just to be amongst all those those other people that are doing the same thing that you're doing but just in a different manner right did it, anybody catch you i mean not catch you off guard necessarily but just the idea that wow you you do that? You do this? I mean, were there those types of people that that, that jump out and to your mind? Um, there were. There was a couple that you know. I was like, I didn't even know this was a thing. Right. I didn't even know this was a service or something that was offered. And um, and then definitely made sure I got their contact information <laughs> <laughs> so we can explore and see how it can enhance our you know service provision over at the Urban League. So I was just like, oh, let me just see. You know, I'm always looking. What I thought was really a nice touch was. They had sign language um, interpreters there. Ah. And at first I thought someone was just being very animated and talking because I was like, I sometimes I talk with my hands. But I was like, that was that was very, um, very thoughtful. Right. And I, and I really enjoyed that. So I was like, this is this is a nice event all around. The food was great. The, the program was great. Everything was wonderful. Yeah. And what was it like when they notified you? Hey, you're you're one of the achievers this year. 
Um, I thought they sent it to the wrong person. <laughs> I was like, well, what is this? And I'm like, why? What have I done? You know, it's just been so busy. I'm like, you know, do I really qualify for this? And um, so that that's what went through my mind. And then I went to, um, you know, my team at the Buffalo Urban League. was just like, oh, my goodness, look at this. This is amazing. And um, was a little shy at first about it, but very excited and very honored and, and humbled to even be in that space. And I definitely want to talk about your work at the Buffalo Urban League, but mm-hmm. I want to talk about your journey a little bit because it's a it's a fascinating journey yeah. to this point. <laughs> because you know, I, I I I would like to think that if someone said I was the chief operating officer of anything, probably the one of the first things. Oh, you must be a you must come from a business background, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, right? Am I right around? Right. right. But your background isn't well. First, it, mental health is a big part of who you are, yes. but. You started off as an RN. Yes, started off as an RN, um, as a registered nurse, and then joined the military. I was the Army, I was in the Army National Guard, and uh, was a nurse for a little bit. I like to say I'm 21, and I've been a nurse for a few years. But I was a nurse for a few years, and just started seeing how, um, how can we service patients a little bit better than just patching up you know, the, the physical self. You know, how can we make sure social, emotionally, we're able to you know, provide more to them. So maybe they're not coming to the ER so frequently, or maybe, you know, they, they have more empowerment and ownership and accountability for their own health care. And, and just seeing the struggles, and it's not just the patients, though. I started seeing my coworkers. Really? And I was like, we, we have to do something a little bit different. And I said, you know, how can I be part of the solution and not the problem? So initially I was going to go to medical school, Hmm. and congrats to all doctors. I have all the respect. (laughs) But eight years is a long time, four years of med school and then four years of residency. And I already was an R, you know, registered nurse. And so I was like, oh, I didn't know we had two amazing programs here in Buffalo, you know, one at Duville and one at um, UB for, you know, a psychiatric nurse practitioner program. So went to Duval and very, very, was very excited. And uh, I was like, why didn't I do this sooner? Hmm. Um, but learned so much and, um, and realized I was like, I am in the space I was supposed to be in. And, um, and so my, my thoughts are, how can I help people find the best versions of themselves, whatever that may be, and um, help them, you know, have a little bit more control and empowerment and um, acknowledgement of their best self. And, and you know, because sometimes it's, it's not enough just to give somebody the tools. You have to teach them how to use it. Right. And then you have to provide that support just in case those tools break down. So I'm like, you know, I just want to be in that space to help as much as I can and however the greatest capacity that I could. So that's why I went back to school, you know, and when you're grown, grown, going back to school is very different than when you're 19 and 20, yes, 21 years old. Um, so, you know, that was a bit of a challenge. And then um, my last semester, I um, was called upon with the Urban League to help run this program called New York Project Hope. And initially was just going to, I'll be a part-time crisis counselor. And I, you know, I did help with like getting resumes and just people that I knew in the community that I knew would be a great fit for certain positions. And then they came back and said, no, we want you to run the program. Mm. I was like, um, I'm in school <laughs> last semester. I got to finish. There's a lot of time and energy, tear, sweat, and money put into this program. I have to finish it. Um, but I jumped in. Um, they worked with my schedule and, and haven't looked back. And, uh. I just, I just have, I mean, I'm very, um, you know, believe in God and very faith-based. And I do believe that, you know, if you, we just 
sit still and be quiet at times, uh, God will tell you the path you're supposed to go on and where you're supposed to be. And, you know, for me to get, go, you know, pull up and go back to school and do all these different things, it was a, it was a, something was pushing me and I didn't quite know what, but I knew something was. And I trusted that voice. And, um, and the Urban League was just part of that. And the work that we did with New Year Project Hope was just something that was just out of this world. Because um, we were responding, and what the program was, it was a FEMA-funded program that pro- to provide emotional support, helpline, resources, coping strategies um, for if, for this particular one for New York residents um, that have experienced, you know, a mental health fallout because of COVID, and who didn't? So right. Isolation and the loss, right. whether it was the loss of a job, a loved one, whatever, and and so many other things. And so, you know, our team provided that. The Buffalo Urban League team provided that. It was like a team of 21 folks um, that were trained um, by Office of Mental Health and SAMHSA. And they were paraprofessionals. Some some were board certified or, or social workers. But these are community members, trusted community members that people know that were heavily trained to be crisis counselors. And we responded. And, um, and, you know, I believe in don't, we shouldn't tell ourselves how well we're doing. You let other people evaluate and, you know, basically do a performance evaluation of how you're doing. And the response we got from the community of the services we were providing was absolutely just mind boggling. It was mm-hmm. amazing. From, and we, we did so much, you know. Um, and so that, you know, we were in the midst of that with COVID. And then we had some other tragic um, events that happened that we responded to first responders um, and you know it just continued on until you know FEMA decided or had declared that COVID was no longer in this crisis mode as of December of last year so the New York Project Hope program was ended but um, we were told that it was the first FEMA program to be continued in the post-crisis phase Wow! so Office of Mental Health picked it up and now it's called Buffalo Hope and they're still doing the same thing providing Emotional support, helpline, resources. I'm there, you know, in schools with seniors doing like, you know, um, mental health wellness events. Uh, I mean, it's it just, it's, it's so much. And I'm just so honored to be, to, you know, when we worked together, we were a team, we supported each other, we um, very creative. And it's just, it's just to be a part of something like this is just like a dream come true. So to me, it's really my ministry. We're talking with uh, Melissa Archer this morning. She is the uh, chief operating officer uh, for the Buffalo Urban League, and she, as you, she just outlined for us, uh, quite the experience for a, a young individual to to talk about here. I want to jump back because mm-hmm. you intrigued me about a couple of things about your RN experience. Okay, yes. And one is what you saw, like you said, in your colleagues mm-hmm. and how <laughs> that process, that grind, whatever you want to call it, of right. of having to deal with multiple patients who are in a variety of different levels mm-hmm. of need, mm-hmm. um, how it could wear on them. Can you talk about that a little bit, what you saw? Oh, yes, yes, yes. So it, surprisingly, my, my thesis for um, when I got my master's uh, in the psych and P was compassion, fatigue, and burnout. And I remember my um, chair, she said, you didn't think, you didn't realize when you started this process that this um, thesis topic would be so pertinent. And I just saw, like, people, you know, the especially during COVID, the fallout from just people just being exhausted, um, tired, you know, sometimes understaffed, 
sometimes under, you know, feeling underappreciated and they were just tired. Mm. And so, you know, things come out, you know, that people have to find a way to cope. And it was getting very difficult because you know, a lot of us nurses and anybody in healthcare, nurses, you're you're the social worker. You're the, you know, you're doing a lot of different things. But how do you do that when, you know, you're struggling to even just get out of bed? And so when I saw this, and it would affect, you know, their their work performance. It would affect patient outcomes. It would affect so many different things. It's like we have to do something a little bit different. So that's why I am a staunch supporter for staff hmm. and poor. So when you've heard staff. like these, you know, uh, different nurses and some of their unions, not necessarily getting into a union thing here, but when they were saying we need staffing levels. You, you understood that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I've been in spaces where it's like you're the one, you know, you're the nurse and you may have like 12 patients and they're really acute. They're really sick. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, OK. And you do the best you can right. because you're in it and you want to provide the best that you can. But, you know, there's also a, a human being at the end of that, though, you know, at the end of that shift that has to go home and, and deal with their families and, you know, how physically draining. Yes. It's always going to be, but the mental and emotional toll after a while, you know, we really have to, um, we really have to look at that and evaluate that so we can make sure we're pouring into our staff, no matter what sector you're working in, you're pouring into your staff so they can really pour into, um, you know, into the, I don't know if it's a, the, the patients, the clients, or the product that you're trying to create that's going to be utilized by a human being, you know, so, um, you know, in business terms, you know, what is the return on investment? Right, right, right. <laughs> so good. you invest and you, you know, you get you get great dividends on the end of it. So um, it's just, you know, it's really has pushed me to really, like, look at how you engage your um, employees. And, you know, like at the Herbal League, we just did a, an engagement survey. And, you know, we're going through a strategic planning and a lot of focus on how can we enhance our employees' experience and, you know, trying to, you know, be there for them so they can be the best versions of themselves so that they can provide that to the community. Because you can't give from an empty cup. And I know that sounds cliche, but it is so true. Sure. You know? And you're well, maybe a little distant from the RN life now after all of your experience, but I'm mm-hmm. sure you probably still have uh, old friends and colleagues that are still involved. Uh, is, oh, it yeah. getting, is it getting better, do you think? Mm-hmm. I think it's a, probably about the same mm. because I think a lot of folks have left healthcare because of COVID. Some That's people true. have. There's a, you know, um, some people go for different careers. Like I did, left Iron to become a nurse practitioner, or people have retired. So it's a rich opportunity for you know um, other people to come in and, and study and become you know you know become an RN, become an LPN, become a CNA, respiratory therapist, whatever the case may be. Just you know getting in there, but. Um, it seems like, I don't, I, I mean, I haven't really talked to sure. too many, um, but I haven't heard anything either way. So, okay. And the other part of that equation of that experience that you had that struck me, mm-hmm. my, my parents uh, were going through their later lives just a few years ago and mm-hmm. spent a lot of time in emergency rooms and mm-hmm. you know, saw how that works and how difficult that, that scene is. And yeah. you were talking about how, you know, trying to give people some tools, the, the patient's tools right. that are coming in there and maybe using the emergency room because they have nowhere else to go. Share with us just a little bit how that, what you saw from these individuals because, like I said, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I saw, you know, some, you know, sad, lonely people 
uh, for my yeah. own, you know, my little distance right. and my little curtain there with my, my right. mother or father. Right. Um, what, what did you see? Well, sometimes you see folks that are, um, that, like you said, the sad, lonely, or they're reaching out or, you know, they had coming in for anxiety. Is mm. it really because of anxiety or uh, there's something else going on and it's not being treated or not being addressed or they are lonely? Or you know it's it's you know it's so it's so individualized and so um, you know something where you really have to you know assess the patient, see what's going on, and then try to build some wraparound services around them. And if that's their only touch point, because I know sometimes people do use the ER as you know their primary care, or or um, they come in as a, a you know just a function of I'm having some symptoms. Um, if that's a touch point, that would be a great place to just provide whatever tools you can, whatever touch point you can have with them, um, you know, provide whatever tools you can to them. And that's, and that I know it's a very, you know, defined time. Sure. And you're there for a very specific reason. But, um, but I know sometimes the ERs are packed. And, right. And, you know, it's just, I think that's just the life of healthcare right now. Right. Stay with us. There's more to come. This is What's Next on WBFO. Buffalo is home to many historical treasures, including architectural gems. Central Terminal affected everybody. Everybody from the common man to the movie star walked this concourse. Beloved community establishments. They might get a glimpse to see Lena Horne. Uh, they might uh, see Dizzy or Miles Davis, uh, you know, Charlie Parker. And homes for local sports teams. When we talk about an institution, Memorial Auditorium was an institution. The WNED PBS original production, Remembering Western New York, Explore some of these iconic structures and their connection to people who live in the region. There was a time when Buffalo's Main Street was the focus of holiday shopping in Western New York. Watch Remembering Western New York now on YouTube. Hey, is this thing on? Test, test, one, two. Sounds great. Let's go. The podcast world is overflowing with more than 750,000 podcasts to choose from. But for great local podcasts, you can now go to one place, the new Amplify BTPM Pods app. Here you can discover content produced in Western New York and Southern Ontario, our own backyard. With a wide variety of genres to choose from, there is something for everyone. Listen to the best independently produced podcasts in the region anywhere, anytime. Download the free Amplify BTPM Pods app wherever you get your apps and begin exploring your local podcast community now. Check out the Our Town series produced by WNED PBS, but captured by community members on the Buffalo Toronto Public Media YouTube channel. Ellicottville is a town of variety, not only in what they have to offer, but the people. The Burlington community is uh, becoming increasingly multicultural and the library is reflecting that. The parks and playgrounds have been what makes the town of Tonawanda a great place to grow up. The series began in 2003, but it's making its debut on YouTube now. Although some of the businesses and people may have changed over the years, the spirit of these wonderful towns remain the same. We just didn't realize what we had in our own backyard. We need the next generation to protect it and carry on. Learn about Jamestown, Burlington, Welland, East Aurora, and more than a dozen other beautiful communities in our region by watching the Our Town series now on YouTube. I, w I would live there. <laughs> You're listening to What's Next, our place to discuss the important issues of our communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We want to hear from you. 
Click on the Talk to Us option in the WBFO app, and we will work to get your questions or comments on the air. Do you have a story or concern that we should be addressing? Email us using what's next at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. Melissa Archer is our guest uh, this morning on What's Next. Melissa is the Chief Operating Officer of the Buffalo Urban League, and she was also honored recently as well as one of the Buffalo Black Achievers for 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, your work in mental health, though, is it is uh, mm-hmm. a fascinating journey as well. Like you said, you know, running the the project at uh, at the Buffalo Urban League and, yes. and reaching out. That, quite an endeavor. You said, what, 21 people yeah, were we working a, for you? We were at a team of, a, it was 20, 21 of us total. Total. So 20, yeah. Right. Um, you know, Austell is, you know, as a program of the Buffalo Urban League, but, you know, you and have that Urban League um, family as a totality, all the resources, because, you yeah. know, they have housing, they have all these different departments in the Urban League. Um, but that particular program, yeah, it was about 20 of us. Wow. Yeah. And so, one of us. Yeah. <laughs> so, me. I mean, so let's talk about the different elements of that, though. What mm-hmm. the, the, the outreach, where all the, this this work and the service went to. Wow. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> um, <lot> of rip. <laughs> there wasn't a place we didn't go. Really? Um, and I just did a, a, a presentation on this at the National Herbal League Conference yesterday. Mm. And the, um, William so it's and, fresh in your mind. Yeah. Uh, so th- we took two weeks um, and we brainstormed who, what, when, where. Because this was a program that in Erie County no one knew anything about. And so you had to, you know, once I did all my training and then, you know, started hiring, I realized, like, okay, so we have to let the community know that this is here. And it was a free, confidential, anonymous program. So, you know, because sometimes people would ask, well, how much is this going to cost? Or, sure. you know, they didn't feel comfortable giving their name. We don't need any of that. You're a human being that's breathing. You need help. That was it. So... We were in barbershops. We were in libraries, schools, churches. Um, there was no one we did not try to contact or did contact. And um, and then we even took it up a notch to try to make sure that we were reaching different populations. So we had like seven different languages um, represented from seven different cultures, religion, um, um, young and old, LGBTQ, like it I tried to make it as um, diverse and expansive as possible and so that we can reach as many people as we could, not just one particular population. And it worked. Uh, we were, you know, if somebody wanted to speak to somebody, say they called the helpline and they wanted to talk to somebody from the LGBTQ community, we had that. Because people want people they feel comfortable with, that can, they feel that will understand their plight and understand how they are feeling and what they're going through. So if somebody wanted to speak to someone that spoke, Mandarin Chinese or Bengali, we had that. Hmm. And so we're very proud of that. Um, and I think that's what kind of made us uh, stand out because uh, we didn't have to call, and there's nothing wrong with it, but we didn't have to call the you know, the international helpline. We pretty much had that in-house, um, and we still do. And um, and just being able to, to serve as, like, we did street, we were in the streets, we did canvassing. <laughs> really? Where did you go on the street, like? Oh, we would just be out, just be in the streets, just go in the somewhere in the city, somewhere in the everywhere suburbs. in the city. Yeah. Okay, yeah, everywhere, we everywhere in the city. Yeah, we were and the suburbs. We were going to suburbs as well. Um, but you know, we started out because our main um, site was at 1021 Broadway. 
Uh-huh. So the Jericho building. So we started there and we branched out. And like I said, I, I would love going into like a Tops, whether it was on Harlem or on Niagara Street, and see our flyers there. Because that meant the staff were there talking. And we knew. Uh, we did a lot of tablings. We did a lot of presentations to let people know who we were, what we were doing, and the services we were providing. That would usually lead to, oh, can you come and do a group session on self-care or um, resilience with our staff? or with our children, or with my family, or with me. So we did a lot of that, um, and uh, did a lot of after-school programming. In the <laughs> summer program, I remember one summer, uh, we were engaging like 300 kids a week for like seven weeks, and really diving deep, and, and like we used a program called the Seven Seas of Resilience, um, and it was an evidence-based program from the American Pediatric Association. And they taught, and so there was a, you talk about what that word meant, the seven C's. So the first C maybe is confidence. What does confidence mean? And you're talking to five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds. Well, you adapt it according to the age. And you could even use it with older, you know, with with seniors or, you know, but you just adapt the language, adapt the programming around that. So, you're, you, you know, you go through what the definition means. What does it mean to you? When when were the instances when you felt confident? And things like, oh, when you felt didn't feel confident. And then you would um, you would pair that with an activity to kind of seal it in and then just wrap it up again. And, I mean, like, there's one group that we worked with. They're called Just for Kids. Okay. And they are, they're an after-school program, and they were in schools in, like, Grand Island, Amherst, I mean, everywhere. And I mean, they they loved the work that we did so much. They have this like, you don't even realize the impact that you've had on like some of the kids were, you know, had probably had some challenging behaviors, and we came in and were able to help smooth that out, and give the teachers tools or the, um, the after school facilitators or directors some tools on how to kind of like this is how you navigate it. Wow. In a very organic, you know, in a very organic and, and fun way because you know kids have to play, they have to move around. That's how you kind of get through them. So, um, yeah, just there was nowhere we did not go right. unless we were told uh, you know, explicitly no um, and no one that we would not try to reach. And like I said, we took the two weeks in the beginning and just brainstormed. So you got all those minds working together and and everyone that was chosen was chosen specifically from you knew they were bringing this from the, to the table because maybe they worked at you know, Family Health Center, or maybe they worked at somewhere, another organization that was similar um, to what we were doing there. So they brought all that experience and knowledge and um, to the table, and we just utilized all that. When you, the, the work with kids is interesting, and I'm wondering about your perspective mm-hmm. now. Is it harder for kids now when it comes to mental health? Are there, are there more challenges now? Is it different than, say, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to take you back to when I was a kid that's Far too long ago, but uh, yeah. but as you see things, I mean, is it different, harder for kids now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's like it's always been um, challenging. I think there's where things are just more. There's much more awareness, which mm. I'm happy about. There's much more awareness. Um, I know social media has like you know has probably helped with that, and the fact that there's so much more awareness and talk around mental health, it's much more acceptable. Um, it's not a, I mean, there's still stigma around it, but it's, I, I feel like we're talking about it more. And that's one step towards, you know, decreasing, if not getting rid of the stigma, hopefully one day. Mm. Um, but I do think children are, things that we were seeing in adults, now we're seeing in kids. And it probably was always there um, on some level. It's just, like I said, much more, there's much more awareness to it. 
And so now, um, and children are getting the, the help that they're, that they're, they're needing. Right. And not just the children, but the families too. Cause you know, the, um, if the child is at a therapist or, you know, getting medication, but they're with the therapist like one hour out of a week, there's 168 hours in a week. Right. So the other 167 hours are primarily at school and home. They need supports there as well. So you have to support the adults that are supporting the children that are going through whatever they're going through. Um, and so um, with that, you know, I do I do see that children are, I mean, we're seeing it. You see it in the news. There's a lot more suicides. There's, mm-hmm. a, there's a lot of things going on right now. And um, But I do like that there. There's efforts, you know, our, our governor has made a, a definite um, um, dedication to, you know, um, putting some funds, not just talk, but funds behind, you know, mental health. And so I think that's really going to move the needle more than it has before. So, um, and especially around, you know, child and adolescence, like there's been a lot of, you know, I think I went to one of her forums around youth mental, it was a youth mental health forum in, in New York City. And I was just so excited about, you know, all the different initiatives and things that are com- going to be coming down the pike. And the kids need it. And it's, I think it's better to deal when, it, when you see that children are having symptoms or something is going on, you know, um, it's good to try to tackle it earlier than later. You know, um, so, you know, if somebody is seeing something, say something. And, you know, and there's no shame. There's no stigma. Whoever says that, I don't know what their agenda is mm-hmm. or why, but that that's not important. Because if I have a, if your if your child has a toothache, or they have, um, you know, a really bad and you know, pink eye or something, we're gonna take them to the doctor. Right. We're gonna take them to the dentist. So this is no different. Any thoughts for parents or mm-hmm. other guardians to what maybe they could look for, or is it just a matter of, well, you know your child, and when the child is acting a little outside themselves, mm-hmm. that's what we're looking for? Mm-hmm. What would you suggest? I feel everybody should have a counselor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because just like everybody has a primary doctor or should have a primary doctor, um, just a, a way to check in. Um, but if that's that's not, you know, um, you know, if that's not there, just maybe taking the parents, taking a mental health first aid class, for youth, they have them for youth, adults, and psychological first aid, just to give you the tools. But if that's not an option, there's so many credible things that are online because I know we all have our our smartphone. Right. Um, so you know, I would suggest go to like um, you know WebMD or go somewhere a credible site, World Health Organization or CDC, and look up. You know, if you're seeing that your child is, you know, maybe a little irritated and sometimes kids don't kids aren't kids can't tell you what they what they don't have the word or the verbiage verbiage right. to say I'm depressed mm-hmm. you know so you you know your child you know your child's baseline so if you're seeing that they're sleeping too much or sleeping too little or they're eating too much eating too little and it's, and it's different from their norm or they're irritated or get angry easier um, or all of a sudden they're having a lot of stomach aches headaches with kids it's what we call psychosomatic mm-hmm. so things could be happening mentally emotionally and it comes out in their body so I got these headaches um I'm tired all the time. I got stomach aches, you know, just a conversation. It starts with a conversation um, with your child and, and then talk to your doctor, talk to their pediatrician uh, and then go from there. But, you know, loop in, you know, your the doctors are the doctors or the pediatrician, the pediatrician or the, you know, nurse practitioners and PAs are helping out in those areas as well now. Are they being? Um, are they well trained in that area? Because again, the, the mental health focus is right. uh, relatively new, right? 
Uh, I don't know if it is, if it's relatively new. Um, or maybe just the, the level the, of awareness. Is I think the level of awareness is probably in the past five to okay. five to ten years, maybe there's been more awareness around mm-hmm. mental health. Um, I do think, you know, especially after the one the things that have been occurring in, in our mm-hmm. community um, in the past two, three years, um, <clears throat> people are really seeing that, wow, this mentally, I, I'm struggling. Right. And even if it's just talk therapy and or if it's just emotional support, something we need we need to do something. But you have to talk to a licensed professional to try to to help you navigate, you know, where should do do you need medication? Do you need psychotherapy or do you need both? combination of both um and sometimes it could be a situational thing where you know maybe somebody broke up with their boyfriend or girlfriend and and they're really upset and 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 depressed you know but we you won't find that out to know exactly unless you chat with a a licensed professional because they can do an assessment you know do an evaluation and then um you know kind of help you navigate which way to go for yourself or for your children you know um because, like I said, I think everybody should have a counselor, and and some people don't like the word term counselor. Mm. Um, so maybe just have you know, you know, I, I always say let's, let's just have a chat. Sure. You know, to make people feel comfortable, so they don't, you know, because words are very important. How do you utilize them is even more important. So. Um, if they want to hear the word, let's have a pencil. Okay, then we'll say pencil. You know, <laughs> gotcha. that's what's gonna make it make it work. But you know, just talk to somebody and and get the help that's needed. You know. Thanks for joining us today. This is What's Next on WBFO. More to come right after this. This is the WBFO History Bite, bringing you a peek into significant historical events for the week of October 30th through November 5th. I'm your host, Josh Deckert. On October 31st, 1968, Buffalo's own WKBW broadcast a remake of the War of the Worlds radio drama for Halloween. On November 1, 1941, the Bell Aircraft Corporation, located in Buffalo, began development on new aviation technology, the helicopter. On November 3, 1997, the Buffalo-Niagara International Airport opened. The airport now manages over 100 flights daily. And on November 5th, 1993, Nirvana performed at the University of Buffalo. The band played at the Alumni Arena. You've been listening to the WBFO History Bite. Discover more stories about Western New York's past on the Buffalo History Museum's website. You can learn more at buffalohistory.org. For WBFO, I'm Josh Deckert. WNED PBS is always working on great new local shows for you to watch. Documentaries like Kleinhand's Gift to Buffalo, which tells the story of Buffalo's music hall. The hall is very intimate, and that intimacy makes everyone who comes in here feel a part of our family. Fun and educational series like Compact Science. Believe it or not, peppers are technically fruits. And Shakespeare's greatest hits featuring some of his best-known soliloquies and monologues. We are such stuff as dreams are made of. You can watch them all on our website at wned.org slash local shows. 
While you're there, check out the show pages and mini websites for additional content such as bonus features, photo galleries, and lesson plans. Find it all at WNED.org slash local shows. Birds, whether common or rare, delight me. That's what our new Now We're Birding and Enjoying Nature Club is all about. Oh yes, and the best is being with people who are also interested in wildflowers, animals, and of course, birds. Come along with us, won't you, Peter Hall and me, Stratton Rawson, as we lead monthly excursions to Tift or Rheinstein Woods Nature Preserves. To sign up, go to wned.org front slash birding. You're listening to What's Next, our place to discuss the important issues of our communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We want to hear from you. Click on the Talk to Us option in the WBFO app, and we will work to get your questions or comments on the air. Do you have a story or concern that we should be addressing? Email us using whatsnext at wbfo.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. Um, what's next? We're talking with Melissa Archer. Melissa, um, another you were talking about some of the community events or mm-hmm. tragedies that we've uh, gone through that mm-hmm. you know you've you're very sensitive to because of your work and uh, and with the Buffalo Urban League. And but the one I haven't had a lot of conversation or, or heard mm-hmm. a lot about was the the, the Christmas blizzard. We lost 47 people uh, yeah. died during that blizzard. Uh, so right. it was a big event in that regard. Right. But what? How is that? You know, mm-hmm. how is that showing up? What are we seeing? What are we hearing from from people? And how that, that is impacting them? Oh, well, again, the people lost a lot. People, like I said, sure. lives were lost. 47 lives were lost. Um, people had uh, damage to their homes. They had damage to their cars. Uh, Damage for, you know, some people may have lost their jobs because they couldn't get to work. Uh, um, it's just been a lot of loss mm. and a lot of trauma behind, especially when you have so many tragedies that occurred. And we did, you right. know, quite a few. Um, COVID. Back to back. May 14th, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, a beloved pediatrician. Uh, oh, my. Um, there was a, just a lot of different things that occurred. And some that may not even have made the news, you know, like COVID or something else. But a lot of different things that occur and then to, for this to happen. And um, so I know, you know, New, Buffalo, it was Buffalo Hope at the time. Yeah, it was Buffalo Hope. But the Urban League itself responded um, by, uh, we collaborated with a group um, and went door to door. Went door to door after the blizzard. After the blizzard, well, when they opened up the streets, <laughs> of course, when they opened up the streets, <laughs> wasn't they, easy getting around. <laughs> yeah, they opened up. You know, um, lifted the travel ban. We went door to door. So there were some individuals that were mowing and that were um, mowing, huh? mm-hmm. that were shoveling the snow. We were doing wellness checks, making sure people were alive, and making sure like, what do you need? How can I help you? How are you feeling right now? Um, so the Buffalo Urban League team was part of that. And, um, and some people would be like, you know, I ran out of diapers. So we would go back. Our base was at Delavan Grider, go back and report that. And then they would get them some diapers or get them wipes. I mean, it was a very, um, a very good collaboration. And then another thing that we did was, um, provided, uh, a family day for families Hmm. around just different ways to cope. 
Mm-hmm. So I think there was a laughter therapy session. It was all, like all kind of fun stuff that was going on. And then there were tables that set up, community members, ta- uh, community organizations tables that set up to give information um, just on various topics, um, mental health, housing, you know, just various things that community members could utilize. And then along with that, then we had like a, it was like an 11-person panel to talk about the, you know, the, the mental health fallout of of um of you know blizzard. the blizzard um and it was it was amazing it really was uh because we were able to just like again impart some information to community members that maybe they didn't have before and now you know i want to see I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see like you know our winter is coming back up yes it is so <laughs> i want to i'm interested to see you know i'm going to be checking with my teams to see you know, are people experiencing more anxiety because they're wondering like is it going to happen again um, and hmm. are we prepared, you know? Um, so, you know, just having those conversations and maybe helping them navigate that. So, yeah, because we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of that. So. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess it goes without saying, like we talked about the people that died, but mm-hmm. um, just the idea that what a sense of, you know, I don't horror is probably too strong of a word maybe, but that mm-hmm. blizzard was like for some people. Is that what we're... We're hearing that just, you know, there was just this, it's cold, you can't see out in front of your house, what's going on next? Was that the the root of a lot of this? Yeah, and and not being able to have that control. Uh, Mm. You know, I know for me, we couldn't even get out the house. The snow was like halfway, the three quarters up. You couldn't get out the house. It was a concern if, if somebody had a medical emergency, you know. Well, how would that look? How would that play out? Um, and I think I even tried to shovel for a little bit. I think uh-huh. it was like that Friday. And the wind was, it just, whew, it like whipped us up. And then you couldn't see anything. And I was like, oh, we, we have to go in the house. Because if a tree branch was in that cloud, we wouldn't see it. And then next thing you know, we would be, you know, um, probably in, in some trouble. So um, I think people just uh, just wrapping themselves around that. Because Buffalo, we are used to snow. Sure. And uh, but this was different. This was even worse than the blizzard of 77. You know, I was told because then I guess in 77, we didn't have the wind, which did the snow drifts right. and all of that. So, um, yeah. So I think there's people are just like just dealing with and the lack of control and the loss again right. and just the trauma of it all. That's what people are probably dealing with. Yeah. Um, moving on just a, a little bit. Um you're also involved in trying to set up a, um, I guess I'll use the term clinic, uh, for lack of a better yes. term. I don't, it may not be the exact right word. Mm-hmm. Right on uh, Genesee Street in Hickory. Genesee and Hickory, yes. Um, it was the location, is that, is that strategic? Is that the 360 key? Genesee. Yeah. Well, my aunt is a pioneer. Um, I call her my mama, but she is a pioneer. She's been a psychiatrist for many years, and she started a program called the Census Foundation. And it was like a wraparound program to, for at-risk youth and taught them everything from, and census is an acronym, from like social skills, education, nutrition, um, you know, it was spirituality when it wasn't in the schools because you can't put that in the schools, but um, um, entrepreneurship and then social responsibility. Okay. And really, um, a really engaging program, really successful program. And, um, but then COVID happened. So kind of, you know, you table a lot of things, but, you know, with all of our families, um, you know, um, healthcare, you know, 
um, careers, it was like, well, what a, we can do something different with that. So they started the process about two years ago. And it's called the Census Medical Wellness Center. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm, right at 360 Genesee. And uh, and so, you know, they started it. And, you know, she's a psychiatrist. so And I'm, I'm a psychiatric nurse practitioner. And, and you know, initially when you're – I just graduated in 2021. So initially you, for the first 3,000 um, hours for a nurse practitioner, you have to have – um, I think it's called a collaborating physician. So, you know, it's like, oh, that, that works well that, you know, we kind of – let's try it and, and see what, see what happens. So, you know, so she's, they did it, ran forward with their, with it. And initially it'll be, be like a mental health focus, but you know, we want to have mental and, um, you know, physical health. Cause sometimes mental health patients, they, that might be their only contact. So if they can get a physical, get their immunizations at the same time, they're coming to get their counseling, whether it's on their own or court mandated, whatever, you know, that might be a, a, a good touch point that we can help people that maybe not wouldn't get helped. And what, and what about the the location? Is it is it intentional in the sense that that we're in a we're talking about an underserved absolutely area? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so it's Genesee and Hickory, and um, and you know when when I think about where it's at, you know, thank God it's on a bus line, so you can get off the buses right there, um, and uh, it is in an underserved area. And I don't, I think there's maybe something else over there in mental health, but. Um, Hopefully, you know, they're trying to make it as a comprehensive, you know, center for people to come and, and you know, and expand it however the community sees fit, you know, responding to the community and what they need. And this is what's needed right now. Um, and then, you know, wherever things go, they want financial literacy. If they, you know, whatever the case may be, we'll just, they'll try to provide that. And so, um, but yes, it was definitely strategically placed. It's interesting to hear you talking, you, you had, because on one side, you're, you know, you've had this experience where you've been hands-on, RN, mm-hmm. National Guard. I mean, all this, but yet you seem to also have this this big picture look at things as well with your work at Buffalo Urban League. Mm-hmm. The census clinic hasn't opened yet; hasn't started yet, Mm-mm. so we don't know, like you said, what the community is going to need and where it's going to take us. But do you have the sense that those types of targeted locations and uh, are going to be a key to maybe, you know? Re- rejuvenating some of these neighborhoods that really could use use a boost. Yes, me investing in them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and showing them that you know somebody does care. Somebody from the community is here that grew up in this community and know what it is. It's coming back to kind of like you know give you that hands up and and hopefully you can be in this space yourself to do the same you know in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the big picture, um, I think it's because um, I know that I've been blessed. And I always tell people we're a banana slip away from being the people we serve. I don't care how much money you have, how many degrees you have. We are all a banana slip from being the people that we serve. So we really need to stay humble in that space um, and try to do the best we can with the gifts that God gave us um, so that we can help the next person. Because... How many cars can you buy? How many, you know, it's like at some point for me, you know, I'm not speaking for anybody else. I have to have more purpose. And and I love the thought of helping someone look in the mirror or look at what I, you know, excuse me, life or the devil or whatever that's keeping them from their greatness and say you're not going to win. Because I am a fighter. So mm-hmm. I, I love helping them. Like if it means helping you 
you know, whether it's getting the mental health or getting your physical health or, you know, helping you get housing or whatever the case may be so that you can feel good about what you are doing. Because everybody wants to do well. Right. There's no one out here that's like, yeah, I want to be in this this circumstance that's not really showing myself in my best light. Everybody wants to do well, but you can only do what you can do. You can only do what you know. You can't do what you don't know. So we have to give tools. And we have to give tools because somebody gave it to us. We weren't born like that. Somebody gave it to us, whether it was our parents, whether it was our extended family, whether it was communities, whether whomever. But somebody gave it to us and taught us how to utilize those tools and use them effectively and provided supports when those tools didn't work hmm. or when we failed to use them the, the correct way, right? Um, with no blame and shame on anyone. And so I, I had like this deep sense of I have to give back. I have, to, and I'm not a material person. I'm not, so I was like, God has positioned me perfectly to be the one to be like, yeah, I'm coming in to turn everything upside down <laughs> because I want people to find the best versions of themselves. I really do. And yeah, and mm -hmm. I, just to hear you, to see you talk the way you're talking, mm -hmm. you've seen lots of, I'll use the word success, but people who have fought that fight and overcome things as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Stories of inspiration. I mean, right? I mean, can you oh. share some? I mean, where are you seeing you know, somebody? Maybe it's a simple victory, or maybe it's been a large victory. Like you said, there's, there's, yeah. there's so many different things that happen. For, yeah, for I, people. yeah. With one, um, I mean, I don't want to share somebody's story that, um, you know, without their permission, of but course. have helped people that um, really were down and out, and like were ready to count themselves mm. out. Um, and not only, you know, I'm thinking of one person in particular. Not only help them. Um, you know, I would always say everybody's not team so-and-so, you know, everybody's not for you. So you got to learn to hold things close to the vest. Um, cause sometimes when you're trying to get yourself out of that bucket, sometimes the people closest to you, you know, they're so used to you being in there, mm. they don't want you to go. So, you know, helping her kind of navigate that and, um, and keep pushing. And I'm like, and sometimes it will be two steps forward and three steps back, but I'm like, that's okay. Cause tomorrow's a new day. But, you know, we got to keep pushing, got to keep pushing and understanding that, um, you know, you have the power. And that, and that's what it is. People have to feel empowered and um, and, and understand that only um, some circumstances you might not be able to control. Like I can't control if a car smashes into my car, God forbid. But for the most part, I can control. People can only do to me what I allow. And you got to have you have to know who you are and. And be in a a, a, a certain headspace, and if you're in, if you can't, you know that's why I love programs like AANA. Reach out to somebody in your what we call eco map, or in your circle, or your they're your people, as they mm -hmm. say. That can, that is positive. It's going to help support you, but they're going to hold you accountable. They're not going to just be a yes person. Right. They're going to hold you accountable, but they're doing it in such a loving, um, dignified way. They don't leave you excoriated afterwards. You know, um, so. You know that that is truly, uh, yeah, and she's amazing. This this particular person, yeah. she's absolutely amazing. She's done such. Maybe a she'd come out and meet with us someday. If she oh, wanna share you her would story. Love her. Really? I'll ask her. I'll text oh, her. Oh, please do. Please do. Yeah, she, you've been, you've she's been amazing. Her. Yeah, and um, and like I said, we can all be the people that we serve. So that's what keeps me humble, um, and keeps me level headed to, um, and helps me push even harder for someone. You know, until they say, listen, I'm done. I don't want you helping me anymore. <laughs> and then I still might come back. A month I, I have later. a feeling, yeah, you're maybe not going away too easily. Yeah, come back a month later and go, hey, how's it going? And nothing to even talk about that. Just being present and being there for them. 
Um, and, you know, but I do truly believe to do this type of work is a lot. So, you know, first responders, people that are in the community doing the work, they've got to do self-care. I'm a serious proponent of self-care. Uh, or people, now it's, you know, sometimes you hear self-compassion or self um uh, what is it? Self uh, compassion or self consideration, but just doing something for yourself every single day, just for you. How about for you? I mean, you're doing so many different uh, things. Oh, what about your self care? Huh? My self care. I mean, I'm. I'm. It's maybe a little too personal, but I mean, no, you know. my self care. Everybody knows. I usually like eat some ice cream and watch the Golden Girls because I love <laughs> Golden Girls. <laughs> I really do. The, um, <laughs> yeah, Dorothy's it's obviously mom. working. Maybe we maybe we got the we got the, the formula here. Oh huh? my God, they're so <laughs> wild. Um, yeah, oh, just vegging, you know, and doing nothing. Um, sometimes doing nothing is is good because I I am always going 100 miles an hour and um the former vice president of the executive vice president of the urban league um is grace tate she used to tell me she said you're like a duck hmm. and i was like oh my god what does that mean she's like you seem all calm and serene but your feet are always going yeah. and i'm like well that's good because you know you don't want to see the frazzled and everything on my face and everything you know i can keep it you know things close to the vest and kind of quiet but you know there's so much work to be done and for me, I feel like I'm playing catch up because I'm like, oh, I wish I discovered this like mm. 10 years ago. But, um, you know, this is so much work to be done and such a, a, a dent to be made so that, you know, um, like I said, people can find the best versions of themselves and we can turn things around. I know it's not going to happen in a day. I'm not going to do it alone. You know, as they say, you can you can go alone and you'll get far. But if you go together, you know, you can go alone, you can go fast. But if you go together, you go far. And so that's why, like, you know, not just myself, but, like, at the league, we truly believe in that collaboration and coalition because everybody can't do everything. So you got to have, you know, everybody's got to do their part and do their piece and, and do it together in, in a collaborative effort um, where we all have that one mission. And that's, that's, that's where I am, not just on a professional level, but even personal level. You know, it's surprising to me when I hear people say, oh, my God, you helped me do this. Or you helped my daughter get into nursing school. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I don't remember this person. <laughs> I don't remember what I did. But then when I see the person, I'm like, oh, because I'm really bad with names. I'm really good with faces. Um, but it's just like you just see a need and you fulfill it. And then really important to pour into the next generation to, you know, so you say, well, what's next? Um, you know, keep pushing and doing the work and then pushing into the, the younger generation so they can keep this going. And put that seed, that fire in their belly, so that they'll just be as um, as bulldog or savage mm -hmm. with it, you know, as as we are. Because if not, it, it just kind of falls, and then you know, more generations will be just swept under the rug, and we don't want that. You know, we've talked for about fifty minutes now, and I mm -hmm. don't know if I have to necessarily ask you this, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. Okay. You have hope, don't you? You have hope. Oh, my gosh. All day long and twice on Sundays. <laughs> you have to have hope. Um, I mean, if not, I mean, that's if you have hopelessness, that's actually one of the symptoms, you know, in psychiatry. You know, if somebody is hopeless or hapless, you know, you have to have hope. You know, as long as we're breathing. So when somebody says, oh, how are you doing today? I'm like, I woke up today, so I'm doing a lot better than a lot. Mm. So I'm happy. And so that's my starting point. And then the rest is going to... It's going to happen or not happen, but tomorrow's another day. And, you know, that we can say, okay, we did well with this and we made have, you know, can do better at that. And then we can try that again tomorrow. But you got, you have to have hope. Yeah. Well, Melissa Archer, 
who is the Chief Operating Officer for Buffalo Urban League. I really appreciate you uh, coming in and spending time with us on What's Next. And I can, I think anybody who's been listening can understand why you were one of the Buffalo Black Achievers from 2023. Oh, you're so nice. Well, the way it's sounding, you might get it for the decade, but I don't know if they have that or not. Oh, no. Melissa Archer, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. What's Next. Have a good weekend. Oh, absolutely. This is What's Next on WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo, WOLN Olean, and WUBJ Jamestown, your NPR station. Thank you.